You are about to listen to a message from David Bendet, Senior Pastor of Rock City Church in beautiful Corpus Christi, Texas. David's desire is to see people lit on fire by God's love, His Word, and His presence. So prepare yourself to be inspired by the wind and the Word, and get fired up about what God's doing today. A few weeks ago, I had a message titled Intentionally Prepped, and this is the part two of that. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 7 says, At the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, we're to be serious and watchful in our prayers. Now, being prepared for the end times and what's coming has become really popular, especially on TV. You have entire shows on preppers. Some of you like to watch the prepper shows. I kind of get a kick out of them. Now, I don't watch them very often, but the little that I've watched, I'm like, man, these people, are, they have a whole prepper scale of how good they would do should certain things happen. And I don't, it doesn't mean that you shouldn't do things to be prepared for the power going out or a wa- something with the water supply or whatever, but you don't do it out of fear. What God wants you to do is be spiritually prepped, and being spiritually prepped matters more than anything. It's not a matter of what's coming. It's a matter of who's coming. So we're, instead of looking for what's going to happen, we look for who's going to happen. And God wants you to be spiritually prepared. So it says the end of all things is at hand. The word end in the Greek is telos, and it's where we get the word telescope. And what that means, that Greek word means the thing that you've been aiming at and pointing at the entire time is at hand. It's drawing near and rapidly approaching. That's why you've got to get a vision of Christ, and you've got to have an understanding, of course, of the end times. But we're not living in this weird thing, and I'm not going to do a lot of eschatology stuff here. I'm not an eschatological preacher. I'm a preacher and a pastor and a father that points you to the beauty of Christ so you can be awakened so that you're in tune for what he's saying and doing, okay? So <clears throat> we're looking closely at, the, at Christ, the end of all things. Christ is the end. He's the alpha and the omega. So not nuclear war, not famine, not, you know how many prophetic words came out from the 70s? about the world coming to an end and global warming and, you know, hunger and all these things that never happened. And those things are happening, but in a lot of ways, our world is doing better. People are, are growing and doing better in a lot of ways. It doesn't mean darkness isn't trying to prevail, but we're not going to live in freak-out mode about Ebola or Zika or ISIS. We're going to love Jesus, we're going to do what he's called us to do, and we're going to be prepared. And to be prepared, it says to be serious and watchful watchful in your prayers. But, the, but for me, I've got to first get you guys to where you're praying. And so 1 Thessalonians 5.16 says to rejoice always. And rejoicing means be cheerful at all times. And you, for you introverts, you don't have to worry because it doesn't mean you have to look like me. It actually means to be calmly happy. All right, so rejoicing means to be calmly happy. Now, my personality makes me expressive in my joy, okay? But you just rejoice and you be at peace and you have confidence in the Lord and you know that it's gonna be well off. It means to be glad and that things will be well off for me. Okay, and it also is the same word for Godspeed. It means that the wind's at my back and I can rejoice and not be afraid, okay? But then it goes to verse 17. It says to pray without ceasing, this word for pray is the word proskomai in the Greek, and it means to supplicate. It means to entreat. It means to come into agreement of who God, of who God is, what he has said, and it means to do it in a worshipful way. So this isn't crying out petition prayer. This isn't begging prayer, okay? And there's another word for that. When he said pray the Lord of a har- the harvest, that word pray is the word to cry out and petition God 
that he would do something. This is the attitude of prayer that you live in isn't compartmentalized prayer. It's constant communion with the Lord. Of course, you need to have your secret place time with the Lord every day, but that doesn't mean that's the only place he is and you're compartmentalizing God to your one hour or your 30 minutes with the Lord. Okay, you need to have that, but you also want, he want, the Lord wants you to commune with him consistently. In everything, give thanks. So in everything, not for everything. So my son had a, had a, a virus a few days ago called the human metanumavirus. And it spurned on an asthma attack, and we spent the night in Driscoll Hospital on Friday night. And the entire time, I was saying, thank you, Jesus, that you're with us, and I trust you, and I love you. I wasn't thanking him for it. I was thanking him in it. Okay? This is the will of God. The word will means what he's determined, purpose, decreed, and what his pleasure is. So it's pleasing to the Lord when we're in a constant attitude of communion and worship with him, and that we're rejoicing always, and that we're being thankful. Not complaining, not negative, not argumentative, not disruptive of what he wants to do because the very next verse, verse 19, says don't quench the spirit. The word quench means to be a fire extinguisher, okay? God wants you to be on fire. That means you got to let the Holy Spirit do what he wants to do, and if you're holding, resisting the Holy Spirit, you're quenching. You're putting out, you've become a fire extinguisher to what God wants to do in your life and in the life of others. And then he goes on to say, don't despise prophecies. The word despise means to set it not as if it's not important to you. It also means to reject and be apathetic towards it. So a lot of people, like I said, I've had people get up and walk out when I start talking the way that I talk because they're like, I don't understand. It doesn't make sense. That's not for today. I don't agree with that. Or they've seen things that were done in such a dysfunctional way that they automatically assume that we're going to be that way. Look, I've made mistakes. I've been in a fog. I've I've missed a lot of things, and so have you, but it's a new day for the church. And so now God wants you to prophesy, so you can't despise it, and you could despise it just by not doing it. It means to set it not. That's why on Wednesdays, I teach more about prophecy. We teach what it means to prophesy. So in the midst of rejoicing and in the midst of praying without ceasing, in the midst of being thankful, he says, don't despise prophecy. It's a prophetic lifestyle. And so after Wednesday night, you know, I'm pretty fired up, and Cadence wants to go ride on her bike. She's got a little Strider bike without, without pedals and training wheels, and she's learned. She kicks her little legs, and she's learned to ride with balance already. It's a killer bike. And I said, well, all right, we'll go outside and ride. Go get dressed. And she comes down in this huge, giant, bright pink tutu <laughs> with bright pink tennis shoes. And she is a sight to behold, I'll tell you what. I'll post it on Facebook a little later. It was so cute, I took a picture of it. And she takes off down the sidewalk, says, I'm going to the park. I'm like, you're three, you are not going without me. The park's a half a block away. I said, Cadence, you're not going to the park. I got Zion in my hands, okay? She says, I'm going to the park. And I was, I was like ready to let her have it. And the Lord says, you're going to the park. So off we go. I'm holding Zion, and there she goes, bright pink tutu, right down the sidewalk. <laughs> and as I'm walking up to the park, here comes a young couple that's here today, Jeremy and his wife. Jeremy, right? And his wife and their beautiful little girl. There they are right there. Is walking up, is walking up to the, to the park. 
And uh, they're walking up to the park, and, I, and the Lord says, this, I called you here to meet them. So we meet, and the conversation always goes, what do you do? What do you do? And, of course, I tell them first thing that I own Coffee Waves. And Jeremy's like, oh, I love Coffee Waves. I don't tell people the first thing I'm a pastor, by the way. Okay, because when I tell them I'm a pastor, one of two things happens. Either they want to dump their whole life story on me right on the spot, or they put up a wall and they don't want to talk to me, all right? So the coffee shop's been this wonderful way of me talking to people, and so we talk a little bit more, and I tell them I own Coffee Waves, and I pastor Rock City Church, and we go on talking about Coffee Waves, but we didn't really talk about the church, and then a few minutes later, Jeremy says, now, did you say that you were a pastor of a church? And I said, yeah. And I don't remember how the conversation went on, but it was something about our church and what we do and what makes us unique and different. And I start telling things, and man, they're getting so fired up. And Jeremy's like, this is awesome. This is is so my heart. And, And I say to him, I say, listen, we do dream interpretation. Do you have a dream? And they look at each other, and his wife looks at him. He looks at her. And she gives him the look like, go ahead, tell him. And he's like, well, I'm kind of embarrassed. It's kind of a silly dream. And I interpret the dream right there at the park, and it was profound. I still remember it. God's saying, there's no limit, son. He's taken off the limiter. There's no governor. There is no law against the fruit of the Spirit in loving one another. Which means there's no way to regulate and govern. If there's no law... Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there's freedom. There's anointing what I'm telling you right now. If there's freedom in here, you can't regulate it. I felt so good. I don't know why, but that felt so good just to say that. I'm so glad you guys are here. It was, was, man, I thought about that time. I knew you'd be here. I told the last service I knew you'd be here today. Go Cadence, that's right. (laughs) Back to 1 Peter 4, 7, the end of all things at hand. Be serious. Who wants to be serious? (laughs) Let me help you understand this word. Serious is the word sophroneo in the Greek, and it means to be sober. Sober Sober-minded means to be of a sound mind. That is sane. That means to be moderate. It means to do things in moderation. It's not what goes into you that kills you. It's what comes out of you that kills you. And for some of you, you've had real dysfunctional, addictive personalities in your past. And one drop of alcohol, the Lord's saying, is a sin. And you can't do it because one drop leads to death. It leads to a bottle or a six-pack or a 12-pack. But I don't believe once an alcoholic, always an alcoholic, because the Bible says that you're made a new creation, but you're not fully there in your understanding, and God is saying it's a sin. So how do you know if it's okay to do things or not or to drink or not if the Holy Spirit tells you it's okay or not? And the, but drunkenness is a sin, and if it leads you to drunkenness, because when you get drunk, you do things and say things, and it leads you to do things where you're not in your right mind. So God's given you a, sp- a sound mind, Okay? And so if any alcohol leads you to having not a sound mind then, and the Lord says it's a sin, don't do it. But that doesn't mean that's the case for everybody. All right? And I know some people may not agree with me on that. Welcome to the church. Because <laughs> if you want to find everybody that believes exactly the same thing that you believe, that's not kingdom. Okay? Okay? So the, the, what he wants you to do is be in your right mind, watchful, 
Watchful means I'm always looking. It's like, oh, God. Oh, hey, God. Oh, God. H-E-B. Hey, God. Stripes. Oh, hey, God. Oh, park. Hey, God. I'm watchful at all times so that when the Lord wants to speak to me, I knew it was a setup. I would not have gone to the park had the Lord not said, you're going to the park. I had to carry my son a half mile. It was a half mile away, and she just strode her bike away. Normally, I push my son in a stroller to go there. And so I carried, okay, God, here I go. Oh, God, you're watchful, and you're in a sound mind at all times. That's what matters, and that's called being spirit-led, not formulas, not programs. And some of you want me to give you a formula. You want me to tell people programs because there's no trust that people can truly be led by the Spirit. And that's why relationships are important because if somebody's out sleeping around saying the Holy Spirit's led me to go have premarital sex with a bunch of women because I'm called to be like David in the Old Testament, <laughs> deception. And the only way that you deal with people like that is in relationship and you say, listen, dude, it's a new day. God didn't want David to have all those concubines. That wasn't his original plan. He only wanted him to have one wife. And God tolerated it, but it killed him and destroyed him. The same with Solomon and everybody else that did it. There's no polygamy in the kingdom of God. Man, I don't know where this stuff comes out of me from. I mean, seriously. Do you like those little things I come up with? I mean, it's like, wow. But I know people believe that. I mean, there's this whole thing with the family that was on TV. And now it's a TV show that can have multiple wives. This blows my mind. But people get sidetracked and out of relationship. God's governmental authority is not out to control, but to guide and be beacons of light to point in the right way, not control you. And that's why so many people leave the church. That's why so many people don't go to church because... Either one, they feel like they're going to be controlled, or number two, they just want to do whatever they want to do despite what the Bible says, and they make up their own doctrine. Now, this gets me really excited because he says, look, you want to be a spiritual prepper? The end times are at hand. Here's what, more than even being serious and watchful, he says this in verse 9, above all. Everybody say, above all. Above all, above all things, have fervent love for one another, for love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable. That's why I'm saying you've got to be hospitable even when we're different. Can you imagine? Those atheists expected that I was going to come in and ramrod them with gospel doctrine and try to convert them. I guarantee you that's what they thought. But instead, they got a massive dose of love and the power of God, and they went, we've never seen, never seen anything like it. They're rocked to the core. So it's like, you know, I don't use the pulpit to talk about the presidential race. A lot of people don't like that. I'm not out here to try to make you a Republican or a Democrat or tell you who you should or shouldn't vote for. The Holy Spirit will show you what you should do, and you should do your research and do your diligence. This isn't the place for that. And you have to, what? Everybody's looking for a cause. If you want a cause, get people born again. Show them how beautiful Christ is. Be on fire and show them the love of Jesus and how he's changed your life because you're surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. So all your Facebook friends and the heavenly hosts and everybody around you is watching your life. And if you want to have a cause, take up the cause of Christ because the cause of Christ wasn't destroy Rome. It wasn't be, have, a, have a revolution against Rome. It wasn't tear down the sinners 
The only people that he came against was a religious system because the religious system stifles you and causes you to be impotent spiritually and will keep you from reproducing and make you think that you're better than you should be. And it'll keep you back from the promises of God. So he says, above all, have fervent love. The word fervent means to be intentional and never stop. It means to be intentional with your love. So instead of you waiting for me or waiting for somebody else, say, man, nobody talks to me at that church. I don't have any friends at that church. It's their responsibility. Then you're missing the scripture because you, we are the ones called to be intentional. And so I never back down and I never stop and I stay intentional in what I do and I stop putting the pressure on everybody else to become it and I become it. And that, we don't do men's meetings and women's ministries and my wife doesn't come here with the kids and prepare crafts and lessons twice a month for the women's, for the uh, pulling the thread moms group. She didn't, we don't do all that just for a nice thing to do to grow a church. We do it because we want to be intentional in our love and we want to be in relationship with each other. We don't have our house fire home groups just because we think it's a good idea to grow a church. We do it because you need to do life with people outside of this church. That's why some of you need to start opening your home and having a house fire home group, but I can't just haphazardly let anybody have a home group that I send people to, so I need you to get into relationships so we can get to know you so that I send people to a healthy home which requires examination. So it says love covers a multitude of sins. The word cover means it, it's the word calupto. It's opposite of apocalypse or apocalypto. Apocalypto is to reveal and open up. It's God's lifting the lid. But this is the opposite. God's covering the lid. So men come up to me and confess pornography. Men come up to me and confess things to me, and it's not like I protect their secret sin, but it means that they know that they're covered by me and they can confide in me and talk with me, and out of relationship and love, I can help them get out of it and help them process it. It means I love you, so most people think that when they come to church, they're going to get beat over the head with the Bible. That's why I don't tell everybody I'm a pastor, because they think I'm going to instantly, they were once a foul-mouthed cussing cussing like a sailor and then they hear my pastor and then they're like try to change for me then they're changing for me i'm just telling dude cuss away it doesn't offend me when they say gd they don't even know my god and yet i'm mad i don't like it it's not like i i i but it doesn't phase me because they don't even know what they're saying jesus said forgive them they don't even know what they do stephen when he was being killed said forgive them they don't even know what they would do what they're doing and paul who would write 13 books in the new testament was a murderer right there consenting to it so instead of stephen being angry he forgave them and imagine this what if stephen would have been bitter and angry towards them we don't ever know that those people like paul we may have never had Paul. Have you ever thought about that? Because bitterness and anger and unforgiveness holds the other person captive too. So then Paul would have witnessed a disciple being ticked off and angry because he was being unjustly persecuted. And then instead of Paul realizing it was really, when he went to persecute, he gets touched by the Lord. And then he realizes I was wrong. And Stephen was the example for that. I've never said that before, by the way. So love covers a multitude of sins means it, it conceals. So love is what does it. 
So here comes guys with multitudes of sin. Some of you in here have a lot of sin. There's covering. There's love. He's hovering over this place. He's wanting to pull you and call you out of the darkness. And that's going to happen through love because it's God's love that leads men to repentance. It's his kindness. Then he says, be hospitable without complaining. To be hospitable means to be fond of guests, meaning that you like people. So if you say, I don't really like people and I don't want to be around people, we got a problem. Because he never called you to be an island under yourself. It's not biblical. You need relationships. And I know it's not easy. And I wish I could sit with all of you all the time and have coffee, but my capacity is only so much. That's why I have to raise up other people to do it. And I get in relationship with other people and I raise up leaders and then they do it. So when I run into somebody going through a difficult time in the hallway, I'd love to say, hey, let's meet for coffee this week. But I have kids, a pregnant wife, two coffee shops, and a growing church, and leaders that I need to invest into so that they can do it. And so I say, you know what? I really need you to go talk with my men's ministry leader. And then they get offended because I sent them to somebody else instead of, I wasn't the pastor they wanted to meet with them because I can't. It's not that I don't want to. I wish I could spend time with all of you and come to dinner. And I used to do that, and it fried me out, but I wasn't, I wasn't married. I could do it then, but now I'm married with kids and one on the way. I can only do so much, so I say, stand up. Stand up, too. This is an awesome couple right here. Okay? This is an amazing couple. And they will, they will love you, and they will love you well. And, and what they can't do, they know where to direct you to. Okay, go ahead and sit down. You guys are awesome. From Doug and Mary to Marlene and Fabian to Bob and Cassandra and so many people that know my heart that I've been in a relationship with, you learn to do life with one another and you build relationships and you be hospital without complaining and murmuring and gossiping and grumbling. Gossip kills. Stop talking about other people. It's not what he wants you to do. Stop being angry and mad when somebody doesn't agree with your position and point of view. It's not what God wants you to do, Okay. Now, it doesn't mean we don't make statements. We make a statement against abortion. And I will publicly lift my voice that abortion is murder, and I'm not okay with it, and it but that if you've had one, we love you, and we're going to help bring complete healing, and you're accepted here. There's no shame. But of course I'm going to make a stand to see laws passed and my voice heard. But, but I do it more so in personal rather than on Facebook. Okay? Now, if God leads you to put a post on Facebook, and it's godly and spiritual, you know, we have a leader here that made a point about the transgender thing at Target, and I like what he had to say. I have a little girl, and there are issues, unfortunately, out there, and they're making a small majority for uh, a policy for a small majority of people, uh, 1% of our population. We don't want to out outcast them. Uh, you know, I have transgenders that come to the coffee shop that love me. They're like, I've never met a pastor like you. They hug me. We sit and talk because they know I love them, and I'm not offended by their transgender issues, okay? But that doesn't mean I should have to change to meet their needs. And if that's what the business, hey, that business has every right to do that because we want our rights when it comes to Christianity of the things that we shouldn't do. So I'm not going to be angry at them, but that doesn't mean that I'm going to take my children there. Now that's my prerogative. And I don't normally even make any statements like that from the pulpit. But I'm making the statement to make a point to show you that my priorities of my life and Facebook, and all I do is to celebrate life and celebrate Christ and to empower you. And make, if you make your voice heard, you do it by the Spirit as the Holy Spirit leads you to make your voice. Okay? Yeah, you're not a reactionary. Okay? So, 
I've run out of time. I didn't even get to part two. That's okay because you know what? It's not church as usual. It's family time. And my heart, look, I hope if we do the kingdom right, lots of people are coming. There's so many of you who are new to Rock City Church and are coming and checking it out, or this is your second, third, fourth, one month, two month time. I just want you all to know that I really love you and I'm thankful that you come. And if you're hungry for more, I want more too. And I don't exactly know how to do it because I don't have, I don't want to go read all the books of how to grow a church and do it that way. I've been there, done that. I want to read the Bible and I want to love well and I want to do church where it's family. I can't live under the pressure of I better preach good so that you'll stay. I just have to be me now. And I read so much Bible because I'm hungry for it and I don't read anymore to bring you a message. I don't read my Bible to preach anymore. I read and then I become. And now I become the, the word. You know what I was going to preach today on part two was going to be Luke 9 and Luke 10 about sending out the disciples and what it means to cure diseases because the word cure in the Greek is the word therapy. That was my message. (laughs) And that the 12 had to go first so that they could set the example for the 70 and what power and authority looks like and that's what it means to be prepped. And he says, you're not going to take anything with you. So no money bag, no purse, no nothing, because I want you to fully trust in the Lord. But then in Luke 22, right before he checks out, he says, now I'm telling you to take those things. Maybe next week. <laughs> Please come Wednesday. And if you're hungry for more, then these services are going to be the more that we're hungry for in our church. But if you're hungry for more in your personal life, my prayers are going to be so lit up, you're going to be fascinated. You know, the supernatural fascinates people with God. Right. We'll wait just a few minutes. I'm going to pray. We'll have, the, we'll have a moment to pray. But before you go get this, I want to say this to you. When I start talking about the supernatural, something shifts in the room. When I start telling you about divine encounters or interpreting dreams or casting out demons or people manifesting, when you start to see that there's more and that this is a setup, it shifts you because you start believing there's way more way more and so these nights are shifting nights for all of us and I said been saying for the last couple months that I believe Rock City Church is about to enter into a season of incredible signs and wonders and miracles but we can only do it if we have the foundation of love and identity and who we are it's not about the signs and wonders and miracles it's about first identity but God wants to have the signs and wonders and miracles because it's who he is and people can come to know him through healing power and delivering power so we've got to do it And this is, I know we're tired on Wednesdays. I work too. I'm I'm changing diapers and working and putting out fires all day long too. We can do this. And there's more. And this is your time for more. Let's all stand. I am so excited. I can't even tell you I'm so excited. I'm so excited because I believe that revival, true revival and awakening is upon us and upon our land. And I believe that you guys are going to be so, so lit up with the Lord. 
Jesus is in the order of Melchizedek. Melchizedek was the king of Salem. Jesus is the prince of peace. Salem, shalom, peace, Israel. And um, Melchizedek means fire. Go look it up. You guys are going to be so rocked. He's building an army, tribes of family with children, lots of kids and generations and generations that are experienced the greatness of who God is. I've never had as much peace two years ago, or, um, two years ago. In 1999, two days before my 29th birthday, my mom was visiting me. Two days before my birthday, I signed up for a prayer slot with my church, and I took 3 o'clock in the morning. I got up and went out in the streets of my neighborhood at 3 o'clock, and I started bombarding the heavens against principalities and spiritual warfare and praying down against principalities. That night, I had a dream where I was fishing in the sky, and I had a pole, and my line was going up into the sky, and I looked up, and above the clouds were big, black, ominous-winged creatures. They were demonic forces, and I hooked into one, and when I caught it, my line started going zzzz, and I had to jump over all my family church members. And I was like, somebody help me, somebody help me, and nobody was there to help me. And the demon came down, this big winged creature came down over a bank, and my line came down, and two school buses came and crossed the line and cut the line. And then the scene changed, and Satan himself was running at me full speed ahead. I was going, I bind you, I bind you, I bind you. And he wasn't phased, and he was running right at me. Two days later, I would be in the hospital with anaphylactic shock, and I'd almost die. I'm not doing a lot of teaching on spiritual warfare because I'm out of time. But what I'm going to tell you is that you don't go out as a lone ranger thinking you're going to bombard the heavens. If you're going to pray, what you do is you pray blessings and life and health. You're not out to go and be the Mr. Super Spiritual Lone Ranger bomb the heavens guy. Okay, and if, you are, if we are going to pray like that, we do that in the covering in the context of family and prayer. That's another topic. Saturday, this last Wednesday night was incredible. Casey got burned and lit on fire. You're, you look different. So many people got healed. Bree came to me, works for me, makes sandwiches, and said, I had arthritis and my fingers were stuck out. Now they're straight and my arms are hurting because they're having to readjust to the way my fingers are. How are you doing now? Completely healed. She's right here. It was so incredible, and I met Jeremy and his wife. I'm sorry I forgot your name. But uh, <clears throat> two days later, which was Friday, my son would catch this virus, and we'd be in the hospital overnight at Driscoll Children's. And I said, God, how did I go from Wednesday to Friday? And what he told me was he said that <clears throat> whenever you are going to stir up the heavens on earth and bring heaven to earth and you're going to walk in the supernatural power that you're walking in, you'd better be prepared because one, the enemy won't be happy about it. He's going to do all he can. My wife and I were struggling. She's pregnant. We're in the hospital. Our 20-month-old son can't breathe. Every hour he's being woke up crying, being poked, IVs. It's a miserable experience. And the entire time I'm just thanking and praising God for his love and his kindness and that my son's healed. And what I realized was how much the enemy hates what we're doing. 
and that he's going to do all he can to keep you back and to quench the fire or to make you a fire quencher, and we have to pray. So this Wednesday, we're going to really pray, and we're going to pray not out of fear, but we're just going to pray the Lord's covering and kindness and blessing because the enemy will try to attack. You know, when, when the disciples were at the table of the Last Supper, it says that Satan entered into Judas. Jesus' own parents came to him and said he's out of his mind. He needs to stop doing what he's doing. His own brothers didn't believe who he was at first. So the enemy will often use circumstances and people around your life to get you distracted. Here's what you need to know. When you start becoming and doing what Jesus did, persecution is going to come. So when there's persecution, you know you're doing something right. And then you pray and you don't get sidetracked and devil happy and worried and fearful. If you're going through a difficult time, you trust the Lord and you keep pressing and you keep pushing and you get with the Lord in the secret place because he reveals things to you to give you understanding in the secret place, all right? So I love you guys. You have been listening to a message from David Bindet, Senior Pastor of Rock City Church in beautiful Corpus Christi, Texas. David's prayer is for a deeper understanding of God's love and purpose for your life and that all of us would grow into a greater awareness of our identity in Christ. Thank you for listening, and until next time, stay fired up!